I'm excited, though, to open up God's Word with you today as we enter into the season of Advent. How many of you guys grew up with the word Advent in your, like, uh, daily, in your home, your, your practice? <laughs> I like this Jordan and Violet. Raise your hand. Because we've been doing this here the last couple of years, but like um, it's kind of new, uh, I think, overall in my, my life. I'm like, I knew the word, but I didn't like practice a season of Advent. And I think it's been really fun. And uh, so it's been a way to really like slow myself down. And uh, as far as a definition of Advent, the Advent, the word, it originates from Latin word adventus, which means coming or arrival. And the Advent season is focused on preparing for the coming and the arrival. Um, of course, from his birth and uh, all the way even to longing for his second coming and uh, the future, the future uh, that awaits. And so it, it combines both um, into um, a season, and we have these four focuses, and today our focus is joy. And we're also talking about the shepherds, and it's kind of cool. Advent fits into the calendar year where you kind of have this year that kind of keeps pointing you back to the story um, of Jesus. And so, um, so this season, as we look forward to his, his birth, but it's hard for us because we already, we already know the whole story. You know what I mean? We already know the whole story of, of, of his birth and, and why he came and um, the, its fulfillment of, of things that were uh, long promised and far off. And it's the fulfillment of those things. And so we are going to jump kind of like ahead in the story. In fact, our, our topic about the shepherds, they actually don't find out um, about the baby going to be born. They found out that a baby was born. And uh, so we're going to read in Luke 2 in, in just a few minutes, and that's our, our, our main focus. And I've been praying, I've been thinking about this time of, of waiting, and that, the, that the, the shepherds were already kind of like uh, in Israel. All of Israel was in this time of waiting, this expectant, an expectant waiting. Uh, in preparation uh, for a, a coming Messiah. They, they were holding on to these, these promises that were, were, were so far out in the future. And I, I just think that, that this is a worthy topic for us because in, in light of the, um, the reality of our lives, I feel like there's times where we feel like we're, we're, we're told to wait and we're told to uh, maintain hope for something that hasn't, yet seem to have been, you know, worked out. And we look at the story of what God was doing in sending his son, sending his son to be flesh, to be man, to be born. And the whole goal was to reconcile, to, to bring us into relationship with him. And that was his intention in the beginning of sending his son was to, to rescue, to redeem us back so that we could have fellowship with God. And so he came all the way to us, all the way down to our level so that we could have this ongoing relationship 
that's characterized by joy. In fact, I want to talk to you or read for you, with you. We're going to ponder like a few, a few sections of Scripture together. The first one is in 1 Peter. And so we're going to put 1 Peter up on the, on the screen, and it starts off in verse 3. And it says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You're being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this. There's the word. You rejoice in this. Though now for a short time you've had to struggle in various trials so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold, which perishes though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ, the second coming. But this is the verse that I was wanted to hover over for a second. It says, you love him. Though you have not seen him, and though not seeing him now, you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. Rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. So the first, the first thought this morning is th this joy that we're going to have, that's going to be revealed, that the shepherds and all of Israel have been waiting for, it's going to be found in a context of patient and expectant longing, waiting for God to work things out. That is the pretext of when God finally reveals this salvation and it reveals this wonder. And the same is true for us because as we have walked through life and as maybe as you've walked through this year and you've tried to maintain hope, you've walked through all sorts of trouble and pain and sorrow and loss. The reality is that what you're facing, what you're, you're feeling, begins to kind of like weigh in on you and kind of press you down and steal your joy. The joy, it's like, uh, I don't know, it kind of like just it can elude us sometimes. Although, I mean, I'm sure you guys can think of some people in your life who are joyful. There's some among us that are just characterized by the, the joy of the Lord. And yet, it's hard for us sometimes. What are the things that keep us from maintaining joy throughout the day? A joy in our hearts. It's just as, as situations come up, you know, you could start off with a great time in the morning, and by the time you get to lunchtime, you're like, I can't even remember, I can't remember what happened this morning. You know what I mean? You got all these things going on, all these pressures. And you get to the evening, and you're like, you're wondering. You're wondering where the joy is. And my kids start wondering, what happened to all this joy this morning? You know what I mean? And uh, anyways, life, life goes on, and it's hard to maintain this, expect, especially then when that, like, 
the promise of what he said that he was going to do, it just feels like it's not happening, right? Sometimes. And so, this morning, I just want to acknowledge at first that this joy that we're going to have is going to be within the context of pain and trial, and it's going to take patient and expectant longing in the midst of hard situations. And yet, there's still an inexpressible and glorious joy to be maintained, to be experienced, to be expressed. And so this morning, the question is, I mean, I feel like we've, we've addressed the idea that, yeah, God's expecting our lives to be, to have this joy kind of undergirding it and our, our demeanor to, to, to be able to express it. But how? How do we do that? How do we maintain this joy? And so that's where we're headed this morning. So the second thought here, as we start to look at the shepherds in Luke 2, is that really this joy is gonna, it's gonna be found when we encounter Jesus and when we see him for who he is. And so we're gonna walk through uh, Luke 2, starting at verse 8. So if you have your Bible, that's where you want to turn to. It's, of course, up on the screen behind me. And it says in verse 8, in the same region. And so this is the same region right in verse 7. If you had your Bible, you could look at it because it's not on the screen. That is where Mary uh, gave birth in the, in the manger in Bethlehem. In the same region, though, so now we, we it pivots from, from that story and you encounter these shepherds and this new, this new part of the story, the shepherds. And so it says, the shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at, at night over their flock. Or who has it memorized in the old King James? Who can tell me what it says in the old King James? Anybody? It's in the peanuts, it's in the Christmas peanuts version. Abiding in their fields. It uses the words abiding, right? And lo, an angel appeared. <laughs> That's like my favorite, favorite Peanuts one. So they were keeping watch at night over their flocks. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. And uh, that part is, I love that part. Because... What happens is, they're terrified. I just, I just imagine what it was like for them to suddenly, it's like this gigantic light appears, fills the sky. What is it, what is it like when the glory of the Lord shines around you suddenly? What, what was that experience for them? And what was their face, what did their face look like? Because they were literally terrified. They weren't just like, I wonder what that is. They were like extremely frightened. Might even look funny since we know the end of the story. How scared they were. But the glory of God when it's on display, when he chooses to reveal it and make it manifest and help you be able to take in and see just how glorious he is. 
Well, it made the shepherds terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, a Savior, who is Messiah the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. What I want to do is I want to follow the shepherd's experience. So if we can just like stop for a second. So like we just encountered these shepherds. Did the shepherds like, you know, like in, in the story, do the shepherds change from one frame of mind to another? What is it that the shepherds do in the story? What are, what's the verbs associated with their story? What's happening in the shepherd's experience? So where do where we have them at the beginning? They're doing what? They're tending their flocks. All right, was this, uh, I mean, what's that? What's the nature of tending your flocks at night if you're a shepherd? Okay, you are guarding, you're on the lookout for something that might be uh, going on, sure. Walking around the campfire, it's a little dark. I'm wondering, have they ever done this before? Yes, even though they're still on the lookout, they're on the lookout every night. In fact, they've been doing this night after night after night. In fact, what they're doing is extremely normal. It's normal life. It's what they've gone, gotten accustomed to. And so they were um, basically, let's say, uh, mundane. They were doing the mundane. They were doing what is, is ordinary for them, all right? And then what happens? What's the next What's the next state of mind that they're in? From mundane to terrified. Maybe we can get one of the, the young kids in here because there's no treetops class today. What, can you show me a terrified face? That's what I would do if I was teaching. Okay, Violet, you got a terrified face? Show me the shepherds terrified. <laughs> okay, that was a little too cutesy. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like that word snugly in the reading that we just read. Snugly in a... In a um, cloth. Um, okay, the terrified. So, so from mundane to terrified, okay, to fear. And then the next thing, they, they're, they're listening, right, to what the angels are, are saying. I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, a Savior who's the Messiah, the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. And this will be a sign for you. Verse 13, suddenly there was a multitude, a multitude, like a massive amount, a huge group of heavenly hosts. I was trying to think like another word for multitude. I was just trying to like, I don't know, imagine it because I've seen it, you know, like cartoons of it, right? Or I've seen little artistic renditions of what the, the but like it went from one angel that had an, you know, and, and all this glory to all of a sudden angels filling the sky. The host, a heavenly host, along with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. 
when the angels had left them, all right, the shepherds, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. So let's stop for a second. So they went from terrified to listening to the angel's words about what has happened. And then they, they, they're, now they're in search mode, right? Right? They were terrified and now they're searching. And they're longing to figure out, let's see this thing. Let's see it. Let's see it. I want to see it. And there's an urgency because they hurried off. All right? You following, with, you following them? All right. And then they go and then they see and they discover, they find the baby. Just had been described the sign that was given to them. Just as they had heard, they saw the baby Jesus. And they realized that nobody else there maybe heard. Nobody else had heard what the angels had said. And they're like, we, we know something about this. And they move into what? Now they're declaring, now they're sharing this information. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. After seeing them, they reported the message. Do you guys know, listen to what the angels just said. Good news of great joy for all people. And all who heard it were amazed. All who heard it were marveling, were wondering in their hearts about it. They were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary, she was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. So I don't know, I guess the way that the rest of the people were marveling at these things and, and amazed at these things was different than the way Mary was marveling at these things and amazed by these things that were said about him, right? There was something unique about the way Mary was treasuring up these things. It was in her heart, and she meditated on it. Well, the shepherds, verse 20, returned. They returned, which means they were going back where? To the sheep. All right. To what they've known before. To everything that they used to always do. Those sheep were still there. Their job was still there. Their source of income, their way of life, the dangers. They're going back to normal. Glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. 
And you know, that's, that's really what I was getting out of this. I was, I was struck by their, the last thing that they do is they return back to normal. They return back to the mundane. And yet you see what happened. When they saw Jesus and they encountered him for who he, who he is, taking what has been said about him, and there he is. Their hearts were full. Their hearts were full. And what do they do? They glorify and they praise. Glorifying God and praising God for all that they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. You know, they end up doing the exact same thing the angels were doing. What did the angels do? When they saw, they declared the truth about this, this one who was to come. And they praised God in a multitude, glorifying God and praising God. Right? And that's amazing. That's cool. I think that's intriguing. Because they went back to what seemed like normal. I love how they, they were returning, but their hearts had been made full. And there's an invitation, there's an invitation here in this message, and I know a lot of you guys have uh, accepted Christ as your Savior. I want to encourage you, here's, before I give the invitation, this is, this is here to help you. This is made small, so that it doesn't encumber your life. This is made clear so that people can know uh, what to expect after you leave their presence, right? So that they can put this in a, as a bookmark, put it on their fridge. But this is also here to help you to invite people from your life, from your circles, from, from your group of friends to experience Advent season with us. All right? And so I think that we all have a little work to do, honestly. I think that we all have room to share a little bit more. You all got five of these yesterday, and you just sat on one tonight. And so I would encourage you to, to ask yourself, did I do anything with this? Like, did I really consider asking somebody to join us tonight? And I'm glad, I'm glad that some of you did. I'm glad that some of you did. I'm glad that some of you even thought about it. And then I'm, you know... But like I'm saying, we all have a little bit of room to, to grow in that. And I think that we have to. I think that we need to. And so, because the invitation to come to Jesus and to see Jesus for who he is, is an invitation that needs to go out. That's the message. Just like the angels appear with the glory of God, and that the shepherds who were standing there like, wait, have you— have you heard? Have you heard the word? Like, do you know? Have you seen Jesus? Do you, do you hear what I hear? You know, do you see what I see? Because that's Satan's tactic. That's Satan's tactic for you to just look at Jesus and to be blinded by who, what, what he, who he really is and to think anything other, any less than what God has intended to do by sending himself in man 
to win us back to him. Our third point as we move away from the shepherd's story is one I thought about starting with, and it's another passage of scripture that I'm hoping you'll join with me in, in pondering. And in fact, it's so simple that, that, it, that you can't escape it. And you might find yourself wiggling, trying to squirm out from under it, because it's just so simple. But it's also so poignant and true, and it's what we need to hear tonight. I think it's what you need to hear. And I'm reading it out of the kids' version Bible that I teach with over in the treehouse to make it even more simple. So if you'll read along with me, the third point is that this joy that we're going to have, it's going to be rooted in our joy of belonging to Jesus. So let's, let's read this together, okay? It says, Always be joyful because you belong to the Lord. I'll say it again. Be joyful. Always be joyful because you belong to the Lord. I will say it again, be joyful. So here's a message to you. Like this is God's word speaking to Jim, Jan, Deborah, like me. Be joyful. Always be joyful. Because you belong to the Lord. I'll say it again. Be joyful. Let everyone know how gentle you are. Let everyone know how gentle you are. The Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, tell God about everything. Ask and pray. Give thanks to him. Then, God's peace will watch over your hearts and your minds because you belong to Christ Jesus. God's peace can never be fully understood. He's done everything possible to win us to him. He's filling us with an inexpressible and glorious joy that somehow gets overshadowed because of something that, like, what's the disconnect? Well, we got to, first of all, like the shepherds, we got to see Jesus for who he is. We got to encounter Jesus for who he says. What God's word says about who he is. There's promises in there. It describes his heart towards you. It describes his favor. It describes how he longs to have a relationship with you. All those things are in his word. And you're going to have to, like the shepherds, marvel, wonder, believe, search for, discover the life that Jesus is offering you. Because we can be joyful always. But I like how it says it. I, I don't even, it's kind of funny. It says, let everyone know how gentle you are. I don't know. To me, I just read it like, here's the Jeffers. Don't be a tough guy. 
There's nothing wrong with being joyful. You know what I mean? Don't let people look down on you if, if you're emotional or if, you're, if you have joy. But guess what? God's peace will watch over your hearts and your minds because you belong to Christ. God's peace can never be completely understood. So, we're going to close with this last piece. It's finally, brothers and sisters, always think about what is true. Always think about what is noble, right, and pure. Think about what is lovely, worthy of respect. If anything is excellent or worthy of praise, think about those things. And so the last, the final thought is, be careful what you're thinking about. Right? It's saying, there is joy for you, and it's because you belong to the Lord. That has got to supersede everything else, what the Lord has done for you, and what he's offering to you. But if you're going to let your mind think about anything else, and everything else, and focus on those things then guess what? It's going to get buried. The joy is going to be hard. But you guys know, all of you have experienced this, when you're going through something crazy and you cling to the Lord, he meets you in a way that you don't get. Why do I have joy? How do, I have, how do I have this breakthrough of peace or joy in the midst of this turmoil? And isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful? It's a beautiful thing. That is God's goodness. It's his presence. It's the confidence that you have that you're like, no, my Lord is real. And that his presence is all that I need today. Lord, just help me to think about these things, to take joy that I belong to the Lord. It doesn't say, we already, I mean, I already said at the beginning, the first point is that it's going to be in the context of waiting, trying to keep this expectant longing. We have to fight for joy, I think. Right? We have to fight for that. We have to take every thought captive. So where are we at today? It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, tell God about everything. Ask and pray. And then it says this, give thanks to him. Well, that took it a step further. Thank him for this. I got to work on that. Right? But then God's peace. God's peace will watch over your hearts and your minds. God's peace can never be completely understood. But just think about, finally, think about what's true. Think about the truth. That's the only sword you have. That's the only weapon, is the word, the word that the Spirit uses sword of the spirit, the word of truth. You got your shield of faith. You got everything else to protect you. So that's 
the encouragement today is let's move towards a time of embracing the joy that has been offered and admit that, that we've, we've, it's shrouded, it, it's, it's, it gets cluttered out of, the, out of the focus. And let's ask God to help us to restore that joy. The, the challenge of the encouragement that I wanted to, to, to bring to you today was that, that there is joy to be had, and I want to encourage you to move towards it. And find Jesus, encounter Jesus for who he is in your situation as you go back to, as you return to normal, to the grind. Let your minds and hearts be filled so that you can go away praising God, glorifying him. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, then let's pray. We are going to take communion. That's actually what's next. Let me, let, before I pray, let me say a couple words about that. This is a time where obviously we have the bread and the, and the cup here, and we have it in four corners, and we're going to be, uh, there's a couple worship songs that we'll be um, worshiping along to. So during that time, you have this opportunity to come forward. And uh, if you use this time well, it can be it could be a time for you to really approach the Lord and, and, and ask God to meet you where you're at and that you can do these things. It says ask and pray and give thanks and just let him know that you're longing for that joy. You're longing for it with expectant patience for him to make right the things that you're facing and to fill you, your heart that has this longing where, where things clearly aren't the way they're supposed to be. So once again, bring those things to him this morning as you take communion and as you remember what he's done to bring you into that belonging. Uh, rejoice, be joyful always because you belong to the Lord. So I'm going to pray now, and then I'm going to go down, the worship team's going to come up, and we're going to have that time of taking communion together, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for Apostle Peter and what he wrote, reminding us of the salvation that we have, even though for a while we have trial and pain. Thank you for the story of the shepherds and how, how cool it was you decided to reveal this message to the shepherds. You knew that they would share it. You knew they wouldn't keep it in. You knew that they would be able to, in their, in their hearts, they would have the ability to, to hear and see and embrace, to really search you out and seek your face. And you gave that responsibility to the shepherds, and Lord, that's a, that's a delight to think about. And we thank you for the Apostle Paul and how clearly he reminds us that what we have in you, what we have in Christ, is so much better than all the other things that you could attain, search for, seek for. All that thing he considered as rubbish so that he could rejoice in knowing you. 
and having you, having gained Christ, that's all he needed. So we thank you for these, these words, and we ask that you would meet us here, Lord, where we are, because we're all facing different things, but we're a family. We know what each other is walking through. I pray that we would just, as a congregation, that we would come before you and take this communion together. In your name we pray, amen.